0: Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and this is episode 41. I'm delighted to be joined by Jade Wells, who is the PR manager at Subaru UK and Isuzu UK. Welcome to Rearview, Jade. I'd like to start off by asking, what does the PR manager of Subaru and Isuzu UK do?
1: Hi. Um. Well, in a nutshell, all sorts of different <laughs> things, really. Um. So... In press and PR, you're a writer, you're an event manager, you're a crisis comms person, <laughs> you, you're you an organizer, you're somebody who runs around, you're a photographer's assistant, you're anything and everything, really. It's so, so varied. And I think, you know, it's one of the best jobs ever because no two days are the same, ever.
0: <laughs> yes, it doesn't sound like you get that luxury, no. whether you want it or not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll explore that a bit further on, yeah. um, but I want to start as I normally do, which is to find out when you first got interested in cars, and is this has this been since you can remember, or was this a later thing?
1: Oh, my fascination with cars has been absolutely lifelong, really. Some of my earliest memories are things like washing the car in the street with my dad, you know, as a like four or five-year-old i mm-hmm. um, always been fascinated. My mum had classic minis when I was growing up, three of them in a row. So I spent my childhood being driven around in the back of those. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like my whole family's in automotive pretty much. So, yeah, it was kind of, it would have been weird for me not to go down that route, I think.
0: Okay. And so uh, when you're going through school, was was the idea to do something automotive at the end of it or was that just something that was running alongside and
1: um, always the end goal really so f- instead of like going the traditional way and doing like a levels or whatever mm-hmm. like that um you know when it came to deciding what i was going to do after school i went and did um motorsport engineering BTEC btech national diploma instead of going down the traditional route and um basically because I was like I want to go and do something that I'm actually interested in and Hmm. spend my time you know wisely and learning and getting skills so I went down that route really so you know I'm probably a bit of an anomaly in the industry as it were to go
0: because well, you can strip an engine in with your, with a blindfold yeah, and reassemble it. Yeah, I know.
1: how to build an engine. I can do all that kind of stuff. I can weld as well, which is quite amusing because I bent all my eyebrows off once. Um, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: So did you wield spanners uh, before the BTEC, and therefore uh, went, "Oh yeah, I really like this"? Or was it was it just uh, just a, well, no, I fancy doing that, and then started to wield them
1: more I know I want to I want to go and do that so like my work experience I ended up doing that in an aircraft garage at school so um, and I was like, oh that's fun and then I kind of just got really fascinated with the technical side of engineering and it was planes for a bit but then I was like actually race cars are cool I'll go and do race cars so that's how I ended up doing that and um uh, yeah through that I kind of got a bit more involved with like the colleges race teams and things like that and ended up doing a bit of PR work for them and a bit of events and found out you know that was absolutely absolutely my forte and felt like that was the way to go Mm. so that's yeah it's a bit more roundabout than most people and um, yeah I just found I was really really good at that just because I'm little and when you're little um tiny it's actually really hard to do things like change a wheel in like 10 seconds so like you know I was never going to be as good as some of the guys that are who are like six foot odd working
2: mm. on like
1: junior WRC and stuff like that because you know physically it's a challenge if you're five foot one
2: <laughs> so
1: um yeah I found I just kind of gravitated more towards the PR marketing side of things and team management and all that sort of stuff and kind of stayed down that route.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Did you do any racing or was it just the engineering?
1: I wish. Um, Engineering. (laughs) I'm not good at driving on a track because I don't like being crashed into.
0: <laughs> so, not, so not British touring cars, though.
1: No, <laughs> no. Like I flipped a go kart once quite badly and like oh. well, down the track. So I was like, "No, I'm not doing this." It's because somebody t-boned me, and I was just like, "I don't like this."
0: <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I I did uh, I did carting a couple of years ago, mm. um, and I just stayed on the outside of the tracks. I thought I'm going to get in somebody's way otherwise and cause an accident because. Because I'm slow, so...
1: Oh, you know, it's quite funny, though. Like, saying how much I don't like racing, we have um, one of the regional groups has um, a charity go-karting thing every year. Yeah. And, um, like, all of the PRs go. And I am, like, fiercely competitive at at that. I really, really enjoy that, so... and
0: Letting people's tyres down and all sorts, yeah. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) take everybody, or try to, and then, like don't do very well and then I'm like oh so it's, it's not not my favorite thing ever
0: so when did you first get in the automotive PR side of things
1: oh I came into PR about five years ago now completely okay. by accident interestingly um so when I left university I Got a job in product marketing at Chrysler and Jeep, via its mm-hmm. grad scheme. So I was there for a year, and like I enjoyed it. And I was just like, you know, I want to do something a bit more like events led, which is what I really enjoy. And was a bit of writing because I enjoy doing that too. And then I saw Suzuki had a press officer's job up, and I was like, there is absolutely no hope in hell of me getting that because I've never done PR in my life thought you know what I'm going to stick an application in but I stuck like a generic application in just sent my cv in and said this is the kind of stuff I've done previously you know I worked at Bentley when I was on my student placement I worked on the events team there then I've been at the uh, Yada sent that in got asked in for an interview and the rest is history really so it's completely by chance just right place at the right time but you know I've ended up doing something that's really really awesome that I really enjoy
0: and that was uh, joining the uh, what has when, I think you were still there the uh, award-winning yeah Suzuki PR team mm-hmm. yeah so um, we're not we're not trying to say that it was all down to you in any <laughs> but um, just you know perhaps uh, so well, but um, no because because I cause there's one thing I've heard about the Suzuki team uh, is that they're very uh, proactive
2: yeah
0: uh, and it, and it was a very uh, it's, I'm not saying other, other teams aren't, by the way, but this was just um, they came across as trying to come up with ways to help yeah. and see if they could do something that was being asked of them and things. And I think that's uh, that's interesting, and, it, and I think it's particularly important on for smaller brands, perhaps, mm-hmm. that that's the the attitude that has to be taken um, because there there can be no sitting there going, "Well, you know, our cars sell themselves." you know, sort of thing, and and I don't think that's, um, that's helpful for anybody.
1: No, I totally, totally wholeheartedly agree with you because, like, at the end of the day, PR, by definition, is about reputation and relationships, so it's your reputation as a PR, it's the brand you work for and the reputation that you and your brand have, and, like, when you're a smaller brand, you have to, like, you have to fight for every single article you get, And, you know, for me, my whole operating prerogative is to, like, put the journalist's needs at the centre of every single tiny little thing we do because, you know, it needs to be as easy for you guys to do your jobs. And I'm there Mm -hmm. to help a journalist do their job and produce their articles and, you know, feature my brand, whether that's, like, a pick-up or whether it's a BLZ, for example, you know. And all of those different things have slight intricacies. So it's things like, for me you know making sure the press pack has all the information in it you need if you ring mm. me phone in your back which I know is like a bugbear of a lot of journalists if they don't get callbacks or you know something simple's missing and they've got to go asking for it so yeah I just literally try and do the absolute best I can for everybody um, yeah. and you know try and come up with things that are a little bit different or that you know particularly show my brand's strengths for example yeah. Rather than just yeah. doing a generic on road drive and that's it, like, you know, if it's a Subaru launch and it's an SUV, there's always going to be some pretty tricky off roading in there because it's why people buy Subaru. So yeah. you know, tailoring everything depending on who's coming and what the car is and all that kind of stuff because it's no good launching something and not doing it the
0: right yeah, way. Yeah, so so with each with each of these events then you spend um quite a lot of time Planning yeah. what you want to achieve at the end of it, you've got an end goal in mind. Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, what you want is everyone who comes away goes. These are the greatest cars ever. <laughs> you yeah, but but you know, it's getting it's helping people get to the point where they can see the strengths, see the uh, advantages of the particular car that's being driven. Absolutely. And, and so, how long does would it normally take you to? to plan such an Ooh, event?
1: Ooh, so it can be anything from, like, six months upwards to nine months, even longer. Wow. So, you know, you recently came and joined us on the ISUZU Max launch, which happened mm-hmm. in April. And um, I joined ISUZU sort of this time last year, actually. It was my year anniversary yesterday. And that oh, was, like, literally <laughs> the first thing I started working on. And thank you. Um, so... <laughs> Like that was quite a long period, but it's because, you know, I really wanted to make sure that, you know, we hit the nail on the head and, you know, you could tow in them, for example, which is quite unusual. You could tow fully laden, for example, we had a mm. venue that was like suitable and it wasn't too far, you know, some great roads around it and some quite tricky off-roading and wading and all that kind of stuff and it just takes a lot of time to pull together because you know you guys normally get the invites maybe two to three months before but there's Mm -hmm. probably like upwards of potentially six seven months work gone in before you even get there and like my literal favorite bit is you know working on something for so long and then everybody turns up and you go oh that was good because you know you see it come to life and it's like really really fun and everyone goes. Oh yeah, I totally see why that toes well, for example, mm. or you know.
2: Or
0: Do they make you? Ner- does it make you nervous before people arrive? Yeah,
1: horrendously.
0: Is it like stage? You know, nerves of going on stage type um, stuff. Because yeah. this is your production, I suppose. At yeah. the end of the day, you, you, you've created you've created this environment and production for people to come along and experience. And hopefully achieve what your targets are at the end of it. You know they come out and say the the things that you are hoping they are yeah. going to say.
1: And um, it's a little bit like that. But for me, it's more like the night before is the worst for me because like I'll go I'll go to bed or try to go to bed early because like the hours are crazy on an event because you can be up till two o'clock in the morning with you lot drinking <laughs> or you know, <laughs> hosting and all that kind of stuff. And then you're up at like 5.36 to make sure everything's ready the next morning. So like I always try and like get a really early night the night before the first day. But mm. that's when I can never sleep because I'm like, oh, are all the cars or trucks are okay. Oh, has this been done? Is the presentation finished? And am I happy with it? And does it have all the right messaging in it?
0: So you're worrying about the stuff you cannot change now? <laughs> yeah. you
1: <not. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just like you You always get like...
0: No, but I'm I mean, nice sorry, what know? it's what it is showing is that you are... Um, you are concerned that you've done the right job. Yeah, like that, that's what it's that's what's coming. I mean, i have been a bit facetious there, but that's what's coming across.
1: Yeah, like I get massively like hung up on making sure like I've covered everything and everything sorted out and everyone knows what they're doing and you know there's somebody there to pick you up from the train station and they know what they're doing and because it hmm. it's, it's more like when you've organised it all, it's all in your control and you're like. And then, like the first day it happens, and then like everyone's got to do their bit, and all the cars have got to perform flaw- flawlessly, and nobody's yeah. got to crash and we
0: well there's so that, many but, moving parts yeah that's what that's what struck me when because Alan and I were lucky enough to get to the um the uh outback and yeah. um Oh, and
2: uh the. Oh, ex-
0: yeah the off-road day yeah. we were lucky enough to get to that and what struck me was how many moving parts you had because there was safety demonstrations there was off-roading depending on which vehicle you were in yeah. you you went on different off-roading routes then you had the presentations to explain the technical side of things and uh, the, the general message you wanted to get across then there was going on the roads and this was on a you know in, in somebody's site as well so it's not completely controlled by you I yeah. know, type thing. So there was, it just it just strikes me and I'm, and I'm glad I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> but there's so many moving parts at which any one of those could, you know, slightly go askew. Oh god, yeah.
1: like you won't believe the amount of contingency plans you have behind things like that as well. Um, and yeah. I remember like one really good example of the amount of work that goes in like um in my previous life at Suzuki we were launching a car in Belfast. Mm-hmm. And everybody had to fly in, and so we had people flying in from like Manchester, like Glasgow, Edinburgh. You know, every regional airport going basically, all mm-hmm. coming into Belfast within half an hour of each other, like twenty or thirty people at a time. Sorting out all their flights and sorting out who mm-hmm. was responsible for collecting what person and what car they were in. Like that was two. That was literally. I'm not joking. Maybe a minute of everybody's day but that took me like hot, like a day at least just to organize who was picking up who but you can guarantee
0: yeah it because the variable out. there are the journalists yes. and I've and I've and I've seen them at work and it's like <laughs> herding cats it
1: actually is i think I've said that to you before
0: <laughs> yeah and and it is uh, it is stunning that if there's a chance to get something wrong or go in the wrong direction as a species, they're very good at that.
1: <laughs> Occasionally. No, like, it's not all the time, but you just pass it no, a but... while for it. They're a really, really good bunch on the whole, you know.
0: No, I know. I'm, I'm mocking a few of the people I know on. No, <laughs> no,
1: no sort of fine, but when you've been doing it, as long as I have, you kind of learn who you need to maybe give a little bit more direction to.
0: <laughs> yes. It's no names will ever be, be mentioned. no, no. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a PR code, not to name names.
0: No, what goes on PR stays on PR. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, right, so uh, we've, we've established that it, you love doing the events. Yeah. We've also established that it takes an incredible amount of time mm-hmm. and planning and effort to execute them. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the end of it and, you know, hopefully the message is being put out there by people. Uh, that, that is the message you wanted to get across. Um, what? How do you? If I don't, and I don't know if this has ever happened mm. to you, but how do you uh, deal with a report that isn't what you were hoping for, or if somebody's got the wrong end of the stick, or if they're they're not they're not being positive? How? How as a PR person do you react to that? do you speak to the people to try and clarify things? Do you, I mean, obviously you've gone and kicked a bin or something, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, what's, what's the sort of way you would deal with that?
1: Um, You know what? That's like one of the hardest parts of the job. Sometimes, you know, if somebody's like completely got the wrong end of the stick, but you know, I kind of try and make sure it doesn't get to that by, you know, making sure I spend time with everybody on the event or, you know, make sure they've got all the information they need if they're having a loan, for example. Mm-hmm. So I try and make sure that, you know, everything we give is really accurate and easy to understand and clear. But it's mm-hmm. like, for me personally, if somebody writes a review and, you know, they've given consideration to their opinion and written it in a way and they said, I don't like this because of X, Y, Z, then that's fair enough. It's any journalist's right and it's editorial integrity for them to write what they think
0: as long as they can back it up
1: yeah, I think- that's that's that that's
0: yeah. that yeah i mean i, I think that's that's fair it- that's fair because um you know not everybody's going to have exactly the same opinion on something because with cars they are quite they can or they should give out an emotional reaction as well absolutely so you're never going to get exactly the same review um but if um and that, and I, I agree with you there, that it, somebody should be allowed to say what they think as long as they can back it up with uh, facts or making it clear that this is their opinion and why.
1: Yeah, um, and the thing is, so... once it's in print or online, the damage is done because people have read it. Mm. They want to kind of, you know, make sure as much as possible everyone understands before they write things, because... Um, it's just really really tricky sometimes you know if someone's got completely the wrong end of the stick but like I've I've said to a couple of people before if they've come on a launch and gone uh, I've gone hold off fright in your review let me give you a car for a week and see mm. how you get on doing day-to-day things because like I think that's where our cars really excel a lot of the time you know when you're doing things with them and you live with it for a couple of weeks and then you go when it's gone you're like oh my god I really miss it because
0: yeah I'm it's, sure it's so tricky to get everything myself. across in an hour isn't it
1: yeah it really is oh, and like so. I'm still going through that myself because like I had a Levorg as my company car and I've gone to a BRZ now and you know what I really really miss the Levorg like genuinely, <laughs> I love my BRZ but I'm like oh when it's raining I can drive 20 miles an hour faster than everybody else
2: <laughs>
0: well, Alan, Alan, uh, there was one of the shows uh, where he was at the Le Vogue, BRZ, day, and Alan <laughs> yes. was a, a very big fan of of the Le Vogue. uh And without making this too too gushing, because uh, you know we're British and we, we can't accept that too much, no. but uh, it does seem one of the few cars that crosses over and meets both Alan and my mm. needs. Yeah, and there's not many cars out there that can do that. Um, so that's that's quite a trick. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a very niche market. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but if we if we're going to call it the the Alan and Andrew niche, yeah. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so uh, and that's good to know. That's good to hear that you like the cars that you're um, representing. Yeah,
1: for me, well. for me, because I like cars so much. I don't think I could go and work for a brand whose cars I didn't like,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. it'd be seen through straight away. Because all you guys know me really well. And, you know, I genuinely like cars. <laughs> so, yeah. it, you know, it it would be something I'd really struggle with. <laughs> so, like, you know, it has to be, for me, like, you know, it has to be somewhere that, you know, I'm really invested in. Because it, it, being a PR is a hell of a bind and a commitment because of all the crazy hours you work and all the traveling you do and everything like that. So you have to genuinely be really, really passionate and invested and believe in what you're doing. Mm. or you know that might not be the case for everybody but it really is for me
0: so what do you think then makes uh, a good PR person
1: Ooh, now that's a good question that really is a good question Um I think it's willing to go the extra mile you know like you know be happy to stand in a field at six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. with a journalist for example or fly to Germany to go and drive something that's in a collection that you know about because you know it really resonate with their audience it's being prepared to you know not just go no it's being prepared to look at things and try and help anybody do their job better you know or you know make sure they get something a bit different and you know I'd say mm-hmm. doing your best and equally being able to write and being organized is so important
0: yeah. So, so that that writing side, you've mentioned this a few times that you really enjoy it. Yeah. Was that always a skill you had or did you come to enjoy it and um, hone your writing style technique over time?
1: It's definitely an over time thing because writing press releases and press packs especially is a very, very particular skill that's acquired over time. Cause mm. I remember the first time I ever wrote a press release and I was like, oh my god this is so tricky because you want to keep it as short as possible but pack the information in and include everything that's relevant for a media person yeah Um, and bear that bear them in mind when you're writing it and equally for a press kit that can be even more challenging because it's it's not just like about one tiny thing like an offer or a new special edition or something like that It's about an entire car, so it can be about the design, (laughs) the engine, the four-wheel drive system, the interior, the, like, you know, in-car tech, the drivability, the chassis, spring rates on suspension. It can cover every single one of those things. I mean, I was writing a bit about um, thermodynamic efficiencies last week. (laughs) That's one (laughs) does. Yeah, like, I tweeted about it. I was like, oh, my God, I've got a press kit to write in two days. Oh, my God. But I managed... (laughs) (laughs) But it's just something you acquire over time, I think. Um, Yeah, I'd say like I write reasonably well now, I think. Um, And yeah, I just do you.
0: Do you have to be disciplined with your time?
1: Oh god, yeah. I have to go and lock myself in a room, or like work at home if I'm writing something really, really involved that I need to focus in. Mm -hmm. On and you know.
0: Do you give yourself deadlines? Then do you say, right, I've, I've got to get this done by this date yeah. because everything else in my calendar happens after, yeah, and this is the window I've got.
1: Yeah, I do like because quite often, like I'm as you know, like I'm here, there, and everywhere, like pretty yeah. much all of the time. So it might be that I've got a window of like a week or less, and then you know it's got to go for like review from like the product guys and like marketing director and all that kind of stuff. So. It takes a little bit longer sometimes, and you're like, right, okay, so I know I need it for this event, and the press pack's got to go and be artworks and go to print, for example, maybe three weeks before the event, so I need everyone to come back to me two weeks before that. So, like, I work backwards from the date, I know I need it.
0: Yes, and I, very sensible.
1: And I allow myself, like, probably a little bit more time than I think, and I normally get it done quicker,
0: mm-hmm. normally. Well, you mentioned they're talking about the tech. I mean, stepping to one side, uh, how Subaru is an engineering firm. Um, But with the increase in, and I'm going to be careful in my wording here, (laughs) driver assistance uh, technology, how, uh, how well, not complicated is it making your job, but how has that changed things are you having to learn about um i mean you you must have you've got the advantage of having an engineering background mm. so you you understand technology you understand engineering uh, but this sort of the, the new computer tech really a lot of it is how has that changed what you produce
1: oh in terms of editorial or writing
0: yeah um yeah.
1: Not massively, because for me, I just treat it as another piece of tech with another series of systems behind it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So, like, we have, internally anyway, just like my experience, like we have loads of documentation showing all the really technical side of how things work. But for me, it's just like an, another technology that I need to learn about and explain and demonstrate to journalists. And we're lucky uh-huh. that we, we've got a demonstration for our driver-assisted technology in particular.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: which everybody quite enjoys. We have... and...
0: <laughs> well, I did the did second I time. Know? I did not the first time.
1: We're <laughs> <laughs> getting some, of those more, some more of those um, really fancy model cars that basically do the same thing as well. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: like, that's a really useful demonstration for me to go, right, this is basically what it does. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, we've got all sorts of stuff. Training-wise and technical-wise, that I can just lift and adapt as necessary. So for me, it's like just an extra piece of tech on top of what we have already. So- Has it
0: been tricky though to get the the message across, or to to see the message being got out by the journalists though? Because this, I've I read some places, and this is not this. Is, I'm not saying this is a Subaru thing, but I'm just I read some places. And I see what's how stuff is being reported. I go, well, that's not right, though. Yeah. You're you're implying something that isn't true. Yeah. Or isn't exactly how it is. I mean, does that make it trickier? Because you know, a lot of the uh, merchant journalists have have been in the game for a long time, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're very experienced, they're very good writers, they're very good, you know, video or whatever. But this this we've had a, a big influx of. Assistance and safety technology in a short, relatively short space of time in yeah. the industry. Um, how tr- how tricky do you feel it is to get that across to people that they can understand it and then, therefore, translate it for their their audience?
1: I think it all comes back to clarity again and being like, "This is the system. Mm. This is what it does. This fits into the whole wider debate on." autonomous driving in such and such a way it yeah. does this it doesn't do that and like even doing like workshops on it
0: yeah i mean i f- i found uh when again when we went that off-roading day the, the model thing was brilliant yeah uh, and then going and sitting in a car where we were asked to drive at a wall yeah. effectively yeah a wall. <laughs> and everything worked you said sort of go I completely understand what this does now. And I understand and there was a couple of other little setups in it that showed other capabilities of the system. Yeah. I, mean, I fully understand what this is doing now and what mm. it is for. Yeah. And, and it was easy enough for us to then chat about it later on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, okay. I can see. I can see. But again, I think that, that...
1: showing and doing and like mm. what better way to understand something by going and having an experience of it. And like for me, especially like that's how I learn by going and doing and trying different things out and you know we basically felt that that was a really really good way to demonstrate and show and let everybody experience it and then everyone can go oh right yeah that's exactly what it does
0: I can get that I can see that if someone was interested in join, trying to do PR or getting into the field of PR what advice would you give them I mean you've explained what you think a good PR person needs to have what advice would you give them though
1: experience get as much as you can and try and do well it depends on how old you are as well like if you're coming in from like a degree level if you can go and do a pr degree but it's not essential because i don't have a pr degree and i'm an alright pr so um, like i did business <laughs> and then in motorsport management and logistics you know that couldn't be more different if you tried um mm. so it's not essential but like you know go and do something that's relevant or like english or you know go and do an engineering degree or something like that or you know do something you're interested in that's transferable and then try and get some experience so like do a placement like most of the car brands do placements in terms of like placement years or summer Mm -hmm. placements and just try and get some work experience and like if you're tenacious and it's just getting your foot in the door. And it, it's a bit of a funny one, automotive PR, because like it's a bit of a merry-go-round, as I'm sure you've noticed. It's like, <laughs> yes. once you're in, that's it. You're in.
0: It's like a Rubik's Cube. It is. Moving squares around to yeah, fit like, into the various well, gaps.
1: <laughs> one person will retire or something or other, or go and do something else. And then somebody else will move, And then somebody else will take their job. And it's just like a never-ending merry-go-round. And everyone...
0: And then but, it's seeing the, uh, the the journalists suddenly go to the other side.
1: Oh uh, yeah, no. Not
0: Gamekeepers like, turn poachers and all that.
1: There's not. <laughs>
0: all much. the other way round.
1: There's not too much PR <laughs> going into journalism though. No. It's more, mainly the other way around, which I, I think is really interesting. But again, like coming from a journalism side of things is also quite good because you've got an eye for a story, mm. and you know how to put things across to journalists, and you know what sort of stuff they'd find newsworthy and how to pitch a story in because you've had stories pitched into you. So, yeah, like, it's a really, really good industry. And it's like keeping an eye on, like, um, industry job boards, like the Motor Industry Public Affairs Association. They have a great job board where everybody's jobs go. And, like, placements as well, they all go on there. And, you know, just email some of the PRs and see if they've got any, any advice or, you know... You know anything mm-hmm. going where you could maybe go in for a week and you know
0: just just experience, experience it and see it. what it what it really is.
1: Yeah, because I think PR in reality is very different to what people think it is. Because like, mm-hmm. if I say, "Oh, I look after PR for Subaru and ICSU," people go, "Oh, right. So what do you actually do?" And I'm like, <laughs> like I said earlier, literally all sorts. It can be anything. And everything, I could be, like, yesterday I was writing an advertorial on farming in Seabury, for example. Mm-hmm. This morning I was um, trying to find a car for a photo sheet, like a really specific part of our back catalogue from somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And that's, in, you know, going and standing in a muddy field, like, later on I've got to go and sit down with some of our marketing team to help them with something. So it's like, it's massively varied and there's so many things that kind of cross over into PR, especially now with like the emergence of like new media and content creation and social media and all that sort of stuff, depending on your team and where you work, that can sit in marketing or it can sit in PR or it can be across both. So like the role of PR is always expanding always always and like I think you know keeping up to date with all that stuff is really important so like I I'm in the CIPR so that's like the Chartered Institute of Public Relations and I did my post-grad with them as well and Mm -hmm. you know what I found that so useful and I always do my CPD like a good girl and make sure you know I'm (laughs) abreast of all sorts of new bits and pieces but you know since I've been in PR, it's massively changed over the maybe the past two three years. Right. there's just more and more to do, and more and more journalists, and more and more calls.
0: Well, I I I do want to explore the um, the content creation side of things yeah. in a bit, um, but I, I'd also suggest probably they they really need to be a people person as well.
1: Oh god, yeah, absolutely. You
0: have to, I think that's the the one. Thing that's really come across to me, uh, dealing with the, the various PR people who've been uh, lovely enough to speak to me, is that they all are very much people, 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 people. Uh, I, I use good English, me.
1: Um, <laughs> I do <laughs> too. They, I say like loads. It's called the northern. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so that they've got the, the need to enjoy. Talking to people, being around people, and helping people.
1: Yeah, I can't believe I didn't touch on that one. But like, I think it's different when that's just you naturally. Uh, You probably won't see it because
0: you're you're just doing that.
1: Yeah, like I don't mind. Like you know, I'll quite happily like I get people ringing me up for a chat all day long, and I'm like, yeah, it's part of my job to do that. But you know, I'm more than happy to do it. Or go out for dinner with people, or go and grab a coffee with somebody. But Mm. you you have to do that because a lot of getting coverage for your brands, especially in my case, particularly a lot of the stuff I've secured recently has been like over a coffee or a chat or a sandwich or something. Mm. And, you
0: know, it's building relationships.
1: Yeah. It's it's massively relationships and it's all about being friendly with people. And, you know, if you hate people, you can't be a PR. (laughs) You need to, you need to be willing to, you know, be out there and be there to chat to people and be, happy and on it at all times you can't Mm. go oh i'm really tired because (laughs) no, that's not going to get you
0: because that'll be what people remember they'll forget the the other times when you know you've helped them out and all the rest of it
1: yeah yeah (laughs) it is it's relationships 90% of the job i'd say hmm
0: okay what do you think then and i'm coming back to i've got a theme here yeah um because i'm I'm trying to understand this you see this is what it's all about is i'm very uh i was gonna say nosy but i've been told by someone else to say inquisitive <laughs> is a better word for it i'm uh, very inquisitive but what do you think makes a good pr campaign Ooh.
1: i think it's something that captures people's imaginations okay so you know something that's really clear easy to understand and just absolutely gets the point of that product across in a creative way that's memorable Mm.
0: okay yeah i can see that i can see that right i think this is a good time Mm. for us to discuss your car history Uh, okay (laughs) Uh, when did you pass your test
1: i passed my test About eight weeks after my 17th birthday, first go.
0: Excellent. Pleased to hear it.
1: First go, three (laughs) minors. I was chuffed with that. I thought it was going to fail. But
0: but doesn't everybody?
1: Yeah, she made me do a parallel park on top of a massive hill in Blackpool. And I was like, I literally hate you. Well, fair
0: dues for finding the one hill in Blackpool.
1: It's like massive, it's like right in the centre of town as well. And I was just like, oh my God, I've totally failed here. (laughs) But I hadn't, so that was all right.
0: (laughs) So what was the car you first drove after passing? Um,
1: Well, technically I had a car before I passed, you know, me being me and everything. Mm. So I had a bright red Citroen Saxo for four weeks. I decided it was rubbish it basically didn't break it was like breaking on milk bottle tops or something
2: oh dear so
1: that that lasted four weeks and i said to my dad this is rubbish i don't want this anymore so that went and i bought a ford cast so that was my first proper car
0: Ah, and that how many how long did you keep that for Um, and did it have a hard life
1: It had a hard life being a motorsport student, definitely. Like, the boys used in my class, they they used to be so horrible. They'd do things like take the aerial off the roof and run off with it and, you know, leave it up on bricks in the car park and all sorts of stuff like that.
0: Hold the japes. Well,
1: like, I was the only girl in my class, so, like, standard, really. Um, Mm. Yeah, so I had that for probably about two and a half years. Okay. they're not massively long
0: and um, what did you move on to uh,
1: i had a frog eye nissan micro
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it was cheap and it was better than but it was anything was better than my ford car it's a bit of like a rose-tinted glasses car that ford car because i absolutely loved it but i hated it as well and i look back on my time with it very fondly but my mum and, like, my fiancé and everybody were always very quick to remind me how much I hated that car.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we all like our, our first car. And it's one of those you never go back. You should never, ever go back. No. Because I've seen a few people on Twitter going, oh, this is my first car, I might get another one of those. I'm thinking, no, no, I, I don't want to go back to that. Let it be a happy, it, happy It'll never be the same,
2: Let for it be starters. Happy.
0: Yeah, never, you can't go through the it same. Was, it was great because of what you... We're doing at the time and you can't go back to that yeah. time because life has changed and now we have things like responsibilities and things like that. Yeah. Very boring adult stuff. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, very boring. <laughs> so
0: adult how stuff. how long did you keep the uh the micro?
1: Uh, about um, another couple of years, I think. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and then it started doing horrendous things like accelerating on its own. And then all the, like, lambda sensor packed up in it and all the emissions system went haywire on it. And I was like, this is going to cost more to replace than the car's actually worth now. (laughs) So I part-exed it in. I basically bodge-fixed it and part-exed it in for a Nissan Duke, which I had for about a year and a half. Again, it was cheap and it was about all I could have afforded on my grad (laughs) wage. So um, I had that for, I don't know, a couple of years. And then I went into the glorious world of company cars and um, being able to have whatever your brand, well, makes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I joined Suzuki, so I had a succession of Swift Sports.
0: Oh, I, I really have a hankering to drive one of those. I've oh. never driven one.
1: Oh, you're missing out the blinking fantastic little cars.
0: <laughs> it does look cracking fun. And to be fair, the reviews that are written about it, seem to back that up
1: yeah you know what yeah you know, they're like they're really tiny so they're easy to park everywhere mm. the nippy has, like you can chuck them round, you can fit stuff in them and yeah they're great they're just really 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 good cars like genuinely i absolutely loved mine which is why i had like three back to back so yeah i had those and then obviously i joined subaru and then i got a leborg Mm-hmm. So, I had,
0: which we've established, you're quite quite fond. Of. I
1: was very fond of that, mainly because like, I drive like 50 miles to work every day, so I'm on the motorway. That was really really comfortable. And if you're like roaring up behind somebody who's driving far too slow, it's got a great big air scoop on the front of it, and people just jumped <laughs> out of the way, and it was brilliant. <laughs> which is why like, I genuinely really love that car, and it you you could just I could fit my bike in the back, I could fit like. Enough kit for going away for a week, and you know, it's just great, really, really fun. Mm. And as I said, you can drive a lot quicker than anybody else if it's raining in it because of the four wheel drive system, so it's absolutely (laughs) stunning. And then, like, when I joined, I was like, I want a BLZ, I want a BLZ, I want a BLZ, and they caved and said I can have one, so that's what I have now. (laughs) And I've had it about two and a half months.
0: Yes, just in time to put all your gardening equipment in the back.
1: Oh yeah, like surprisingly and practical. You can fit in one of those. I
0: can fit my road
1: bike in the boot with the wheels off. <laughs> I fitted um, like a week's worth of stuff for Goodwood in there. Like I just like my suitcase just fitted in. Yeah. Like through the opening, and then it was like about half of the boot or something. So they're a lot more practical than you would think they are, and they're like a really really good cruiser for like driving for a long distance as well. Mm-hmm. And really chuckable on a B road too, so like it kind of ticks all of my boxes. So, Excellent. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm really I am like under no illusions as to how lucky I am to have something like that to drive around in. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. yay! But I've probably only got maybe five months in it before I have to get another car because I drive too much.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you, you, the problem is you're doing too many uh, events. You see. Yeah,
1: I just drive all over the place all of the time. I drive everywhere because I don't like getting the train.
0: Uh, I do not blame you. Yeah. You have to be with the public then.
1: Well, it's
2: not
0: <sighs>
1: like I can come and go when I want then and I can listen to music yeah. and chill out and yeah. not have to sit next to some person who who's like slobbering all over, sleeping on themselves or whatever like that. So. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite... Yeah. Well, that, that's... Um... Apart from your micro.
1: oh, I'll tell you what, I did miss out. I missed out my MG.
0: Okay, that's what MG?
1: Mine. Um, yeah, I have an MG midget, a nineteen sixty nine with chrome bumpers. Oh, right. Yeah, but that's perpetually broken, so that's why I forgot that.
0: <laughs> so you experienced the full joy of owning an MG.
1: Yeah, well, like absolutely love it. It's beautiful, but like it's very, very temperamental. Again, like, it doesn't stop. Actually, like, Adam Tudor Lane took some pictures of it for me. and mm. He was like, I'm never getting in that again because I scared him because it wouldn't stop. <laughs> He's going to kill me for telling you that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was actually really, really funny. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's beautiful, but, like, literally, it just needs to go to the garage every other week.
0: Oh, that's... That probably gets a bit dull after a while.
1: Yeah, because like, you can guarantee every time it's like a £600 bill as well.
0: <laughs> They've just got the invoice blank yeah, in the like, bit with the number every, at the bottom that, already. Literally, <laughs> they exactly. just put different items in. <laughs> yeah, it
1: might be like um, distributor cap. Um, <laughs> I paid £60 for an alternator belt because they don't make the alternator belt for it anymore. Right. I like, oh, what? For a belt, they're like five quid. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> But like, I'd never get rid of it though because I re- like I did put it up for sale, but I was just like didn't try very hard because I really didn't want to get rid of it.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, oh dear, yeah. But no, that's that's a good list of good list of cars apart from the micro.
1: Yeah. Well, that. But would... we
0: we all understand. We've all got. We've all had to. To bite the bullet, we've all had to go in a direction that finances have allowed it, us. It
1: was better than the car because every time you drove the car, it was like driving in a bathtub and your feet were wet all the time because it oh, leaked. Okay. So it was like have something, have a micro for a year or so that and have dry feet or have soggy feet every day. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: okay. Right. um, Recently on Twitter, I've seen lots of conversations Mm -hmm. uh, um, between journalists and a couple of PR people about uh, content that's being created at the moment. Yeah. Um, Because we're at a, and this can be an inverted commas, so people can interpret this uh, any way they like, an exciting time uh, when it comes to content because there are so many different ways it can be made. And it is being made by so many different people as well. Mm. Um, I, I think, I mean, it's something that Apple is really pushing in their adverts to their iPhone: is you can be a content creator, you can make stuff for other people to enjoy. Um, what's What's your view on um, all this at the moment? That do you Do you like the fact that there is so many? Options for for i I'm asking as a consumer at the moment, not mm-hmm. as not not as a PR. Do you, do you enjoy the fact there are so many different um, avenues to go down?
1: Yes, but it makes it really challenging. from From my side of things, I think content's really important, especially with the way algorithms on Facebook have changed as well. For example, so like Facebook prioritises video content now, which is why probably everybody listening, their news feeds are just full of videos, random videos and not many like actual posts from their friends. Right. Because they've changed how they aggregate their content. So now like as a brand, video is even more important. So like Mm. you've got the brand side of it in terms of like creating content that resonates with your audience or that's designed to hit strategic goals like increasing awareness of a product or, you know, showing somebody what it's like to live with it or you know Mm. encouraging them to go and book a test drive for example but then you've got the other side of it like the journalistic side where you've got people coming to you to ask for a car because they've got a youtube channel
2: Mm.
1: or something like that and it's really really hard because you get ones where like you know the genuinely like really awesome and you know, really, really big following or, you know, really specific following for a particular type of car, which is great. But then you get a lot of people, or I do anyway, you know, asking for a a car with not really like a particular audience that sits well f- for me. Mm. So it it's really, really challenging and I think there's so many people doing it. Like the differentiation points are narrowing. Yeah. As well. Yeah. So like Content's good, but like there has to be a value and a point and a purpose.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because at the the end of the day, the you know anyone who comes along and asks you for a car or something like that, or to 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 try and work with you, it costs you money as yeah. a business.
2: Yeah, right. And,
0: and these things are not cheap, and and people need to appreciate that. Which perhaps the people who've done created like a free WordPress site or just started a YouTube channel, and then go, oh, gives us this, please. Um, or maybe not even say please, uh because I'm 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 ace is effectively the sort of things you can see being asked yeah. and, and how it's being put across. It 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 does it needs to be well my opinion sorry <laughs> <laughs> my opinion is it need both pe both sides need to work together on it. Mm. This is this is where you're collaborating. Um but it needs to you if you're going to approach someone, you need to do it in a way that they get something they've got to get good good ROI on this yeah there, there, there has to be because otherwise that what's the point and it's not someone being rude or anything it's it's just a, a you know it's quite a basic this is a business we have to make money uh, and therefore to make money we have to hit we you know the PR team are doing x y and z to help achieve that yeah uh and you know your what you're requesting does not fit with that, so you know this isn't a, isn't a possibility um, Yeah. So, so do you have to judge each one independently or do you each approach or I'm not saying you ignore certain parts of the media creation, mm. but it, 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 do you favor some on rather than others?
1: Um, I personally take every single one individually. So you can imagine, like, I get, a couple hundred a month at least. And, like, I'd say, you know, if you're going to be contacting somebody to ask to create content or whatever like that, you know, make it easy for them to understand why your outlet's good for them or, you know, or what the value is or where your differentiation points are because sometimes you get like, casing point, I won't name names. I had an email last week, and it was like, can I have a WRX STI, please, for my blog? Right. It's like, you know, you know, help me out here. Give me your stats. Send me what your audience splits like, you know, what their particular interests are, why your content's proving particularly engaging and resonating with that audience. Mm. And it's like, you know, that it it costs a lot of money to send a car out and... You have to justify everything you do and it's all part of a wider strategy which is not always the understanding that like like I do uh, pretty much every other PR office will do like you have a particular strategy for each car in terms of like the type of content you want to be receiving the type of outlets you want to target where you want your cars to be seen in the car community and outside of that and like if it doesn't if that particular request doesn't necessarily fit, you might be like, mm, well, I can't really do that, but I'd be happy for you to have this or No sometimes. So it, it it's always a massive challenge for PRs. I mean, like there's all there's been quite a few comments on across across Twitter from various PRs being like, if you're gonna send me a note asking for a car, don't have Ten readers because you're not going to get a forty thousand pound car. Example was one I saw recently, and I was like, "Well, yeah, quite right." But there's not the understanding then necessarily sometimes that you know it's a business relationship and it's a professional relationship and it's a transaction because it's like the brand are giving you a car. It's not a car to drive around in for a week and you know go on holiday with or whatever like that it's for you to write editorial on or produce a video on or whatever like that and that's the exchange
0: yeah I mean that the, what, what what happens in that week is the mechanism for you to be able to produce something that's of use to them yeah exactly um, you know it's you know it's not there's a car thanks very much, no, that's the end of that, you know, no, yeah. that's not how it was. it's not like you've gone and hired a car. No,
1: exactly, no, <laughs> it's... Some, some people, like, that does happen sometimes,
0: mm.
1: you do hear of it happening and, you know, like, it, but you develop a very well-attuned sense for what's appropriate and what's not after a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because one of the uh, phrases I've seen bandied about a lot is uh, influencers, mm. which has um, met with quite a bit of scorn yeah. in the corner of the internet that I I sit and <laughs> watch. <laughs> um, but also a misunderstanding and and not really understanding what is meant by an influencer. Yeah, do you know what? Uh, or have you got a uh, definition of what an influencer is?
1: Kind of. Like, I think influencers are really tricky, especially in automotive, for one, um, mm. because, like, it's such a hard... There's such a hardcore of journalists, and it's new, and it's a bit different, and it's not necessarily seen in the same way by those in the profession. Yeah. But, like, for me, an influencer is somebody who has direct influence or an audience that resonates with the people I'm trying to talk to. Mm -hmm. So it might be like somebody who's like an outdoors blogger or something like that. And, you know, their readers index particularly well with like Outback owners, for example, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or, you know, the type of customer set who would be looking to buy one. So, for me, that might be a relevant avenue to go down,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: But
1: yeah like but then you have influencers like fashion bloggers or whatever like that
0: well that's 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 an interesting one because I can see why uh manufacturers and brands speak to different markets and and I think that's one of the uh the things that perhaps not all the automotive it's not so much the journalists so much but maybe the the older generation yeah seem to struggle with is that um, manufacturers now have this ability to speak to such a wide audience because of the capability because of all the different mediums yeah out there and and how everybody's plugged in all the time basically yeah that uh, they they go to a motoring journalist for a particular reason but they will go to a fashion blogger for another reason or they'll go to a musician for another reason or they'll go to i don't know um like uh, an explorer for another reason or, you know th- there's there's you partic- going to, to them for particular needs and wants
1: yeah absolutely uh,
0: and i think sometimes seeing some of the comments they do does sometimes get a little bit silly you know or, or family bloggers and stuff like that yeah um you know the, these people have got I mean, I follow quite a lot of uh, family bloggers under another um, ID, and mm. uh, these people are, are followed by, you know, ten to twenty to 30,000 people, mm. uh, other parenting bloggers and stuff like that, and the power of Mumsnet is phenomenal, really. Absolutely. And... Um, scary sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but it is phenomenal because, uh, you know, it's to get the message across, and us talking about how it corners at sixty mile an hour and you know torque vectoring and things like that is not appropriate to uh, a dad who's going. I just you you know I I like cars a bit, but I'm not geeky about them. But I want to be able to get my family in the and drive somewhere safely, and it's big enough to fill my to take all my stuff. Yeah. That's a different. That's a different need. Yeah,
1: it is, and the thing is, it's like it's not just a car. It's a tool for people to live their lives and it's like an everyday companion in everything you do. So like if, for example, like me, you like cycling, uh, you might need to know, can I fit my bike in the back of that or is it suitable for going up to the top of that mountain where there's such and such trail that I really like riding down? Mm. Does it do all those things as well? And. You might not get that from a traditional like automotive person, but like say if you follow like a cycling blog or you read a magazine, for example, mm. you might get that kind of information. So as a brand, if you know that's a hobby or an interest that a lot of your buyers have, then why wouldn't you talk to them in that way as well? You just like kind of ticking more boxes.
0: So do you have to pour over lots and lots of stats?
1: Oh lots, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, is it's, it's analysis a, a, big, a big part of what you do? Yeah,
1: like, it's a very, very core part of anything to do with PR because, like, how do you know if you've achieved your goal if you've not got a measurement mm. for that goal in place? Yeah. So everything you do, everything I do, like, say, like, I'm setting up an event or something or a launch, I'll say I want 50 journalists there, for example, And then I might go back and go afterwards and go, yes, we had 50 people. Therefore, I've hit my objective and hit the KPI for that. Mm -hmm. Or I want to get um, over 500 pieces of coverage, for an example. And then you'll go back and you'll look through what you've got and what your sentiment is. Or, you know, you'll go and look back at that and say, yes, I have hit that. Or, no, I've not hit that because of X. They didn't like that section of the road route, for example. Mm. So, like... It goes hand in hand for me anyway, to be like, Yes, that would achieve the goals I want, but it's it it's all about being strategic in your approach and picking and choosing what you do to ensure you hit your goal. And, you know, mm. influences, you know, in the world we live in, that's going to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, 'cause because just general brand awareness is a big thing as well. Yeah,
1: like especially for me, at the moment, that's something I'm working really hard on, you know, brand awareness and, you know, getting people aware of we don't just make blue cars that are really noisy with gold wheels with 555 on the side and the <laughs> Cray at the wheel, you know, like that's not that's not us now, unfortunately, because yeah. like I love all that. Um, but, you know, it's, like, it's more than that and it's making people yeah. aware of that, so, you know, we're well known within like the hardcore rallying fraternity and things like that. So a lot of what I do is like looking outside and seeing, you know, what sort of people fit with our cars and how I could partner with them to produce something that's you know not necessarily a road test, but you know, and as an awareness piece.
2: Mm. So
1: for example, yeah. like um, I see you and our Wales rugby sponsorship. Yeah. Wales is massively rural. Well yes. is very heavily rugby focused that massively yeah. works mm. so um, doing things like that that are a little bit different but you know still partially fall under the remit of PR is interesting and it forces you to be creative and think about things in a different way
0: yeah yeah no because it, it, it is uh, I, f- I find it very fascinating seeing manufacturers and who they are contacting yeah. and then working out why they are going all oh, right i can see that and sometimes i don't see it which is mm. fair enough because you know I, i'm just i'm just not the audience <laughs> yeah um you know <laughs> i'm not big on nails but you yeah. know uh, you're
1: not you're not going to be looking at a blog about matching your nails to your car color are you
0: no yeah. i mean because it was cause that's that's one of the um there is one where uh, a fashion blogger who couldn't drive was loaned a car by one manufacturer yeah um uh, and that is a uh, one that is sometimes thrown out there yeah absolutely. but she made out she made it very clear immediately she couldn't drive yeah and and that was why she was uh and and therefore you need to appreciate that in the rest of her review and i thought the rest of the review was really well written yeah. you know so good writing is good writing at yeah, the end exactly. of the day
1: and there's an audience there and the reason that was probably done was because her readers probably really index well with that particular brand's car they yeah. were pushing and yeah. you know it might be like you know targeted at a younger age group or something like that and they all live on that site or a good portion yeah. of them do which you know as a PR your job's to get the ma- maximum exposure you possibly can anyway you can get it whether that's right. by giving a car to somebody to stand next to or give it to somebody to chuck around the car like a racetrack or something you know yeah. You do what you yeah.
2: do.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I like, have done all sorts of bonkers stuff recently, like, and you know, like it, it's all come off reasonably well, I think. <laughs> so you know, it, it's just you you do what you think is best, and you kind of you do develop a feel for what will work and what won't.
0: Mm. But it, yeah, that, that's experience testing and everything Uh, but it's being given the freedom to be able to test
1: absolutely like i'm really lucky that i get a lot of freedom in terms of what i can do Mm.
0: because
2: yeah
1: you, you know like some places you wouldn't or you know some jobs you'd have somebody being really like no you can't do that jade that's ridiculous but it's more like you know if you think that'll work and there's a good case for it, then yeah, go for it.
0: Well, that's it. it's a case of justifying it, yeah, and then going back and reviewing it afterwards and saying it did work because it achieved X, Y, Z, or it didn't work, so we know that for next time. So therefore, we won't, you know, why didn't it work? And it's so all the, it's, I think it goes back to what you were saying about having having something to judge it against, having some KPIs, mm-hmm. and then working from that. So yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask you really is, what are your plans? for
1: you oh in terms of work yeah. yeah crack on in pr really you know like
0: so what what do you hope to achieve
1: Ooh, that's such a hard question because it changes every day <laughs> um, you know, for me,
0: like, that's a cop-out that is yeah, that is a cop-out yeah. answer yeah.
1: <laughs> i'm getting there um, <laughs> for me like my whole reason for coming to subaru is you know to take something and and make it into something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want you know.
0: So what? What first attracted? What, so what? What attracted you to the job then? What, what? What was it that you you left? Um, you know, doing doing well at Suzuki. Why did you go to Subaru and Suzuki?
1: The challenge. Okay. Really, because um, yeah, you know, like from a PR standpoint, there was a lot of work to do and a lot of things that could be done in a different way you know to be more visible with the media and you know be a good press office and everything like that so I was like I know I can do that I know I can make it something to be proud of and you know I just kind of want to carry on doing that and you know building something you know that's really good so we're getting more coverage more visibility getting more people reading about our cars and then ultimately getting more people to buy them because they're really good Mm. So that's kind of what drives me, you know, like having something that literally some days I'm like tearing my hair out and other days I'm like, woohoo, awesome. And like for me, every like review that's scored is like a little mini victory. And it's Mm. part of that journey, you know, helping people understand why they're good and, you know, why there's a place for our cars in the world. And yeah, it's for me. Just carry on with that and build something to be really, really proud of. And like, I feel like I'm quite proud of where we've got to in the past year. Uh, you know, just carry on with that with the new stuff we've got coming up over the next year or so.
0: Yeah, well, I don't think anybody can say that is uh, you are not more visible now. Oh, well, I mean, that's cool. that's definitely that has definitely happened. Um, so on that on that KPI, yeah. you can tick that box. But oh. but it's not it's been done in a well it. it to me, it comes across as being done in a in a, uh, a, a it sounds so naff, but in a good way. You know, yeah. it's not been oh, just throw a car at any old person, or you know, put the get the car associated with something that's totally unrelated. You know, it's been done with it, it's been thought out. It appears it's been thought out and carefully uh, planned. That oh wait, well this is this is actually suitable for our vehicle or this, this particular car or our brand yeah. and, and just done that way. And, um, you know, from that point of view, uh, again, as an outsider, and again, I will stop being complimentary soon because you know, we're British, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we can't do that for too long yeah before we have to have a go. Um, but it does seem to have been d- done in that way. And, uh, I, I think you get, you should be, um, happy that, that is uh, how it's been perceived. Yeah, it?
1: no, like, I am very happy with in terms of, like, the progress that's been made on that front. And, like, I've just tried to kind of, you know, again, build relationships with all sorts of people who are really, really relevant and, you know, like, try and help as much as I can. I just try and do the best job I can for mm-hmm. everybody as much as possible and, you know, do things that strategically... I know, you know, touch points that like haven't necessarily been highlighted, and um, you know, mm-hmm. like really, like demonstrate and show, like that Subaru cars are great off road, for example. So hence the mad off road event in the middle of Storm Angus or whatever it was. <laughs> you
0: know, right. Yes, it's very good of you to uh, to channel the weather for that. Event. Yeah,
1: that could have gone disastrously wrong though because we were on road tires, and that like really shocked everybody.
2: Yes, I, I was quite
1: ballsy because I was like, we're, getting, we're doing it on road tyres. And they were like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, we're doing it on road tyres. It'll do it on road tyres. Yeah. Complete gut, really gut instinct. Mm. And everyone was a bit like, oh, my God, I can't believe you've done that. Are you sure? And I was like, yes, I'm sure. And it worked fine.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I just tried to kind of, you know, be – Strategic with what we do, and take like a proper structured approach, and everything we do has a reason.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a, another thing. If anybody uh, was was considering PR, is that it? it it's not just a it's it's not a frivolous thing. Things yeah. need to be planned out. Yeah. Uh, you need you, you need to consider them. You consider why, the what for's and the hows, and and plan it and work to the plan.
2: Yeah. Uh, as much as you
0: can. I mean, you've got to be adaptable, but it's it it is not just a case of well, we wake up this morning today we'll get you know to, we'll talk to florists or anything like that. It's not it's not that's not what happens. No,
1: not at all. But equally, some of the best things that come off are like really last minute.
0: mm Hmm
1: sometimes or you know
0: well you don't get a chance to overanalyze
1: yeah or or just like something that's like a completely bonkers idea that somebody's come up with a magazine or something or like a like a blog or something like that and you go actually yeah that's really cool and they're some of the best things that come off as well so it's like it's about being planned but equally being adaptable and being able to flex and pull something off really quickly
0: Mm. So, as much as you can say, then, what are your plans with um, Subaru and Isuzu in the next 12 months or so?
1: I can't tell you that, because it's all secret skirl.
0: Damn, I was um, hoping to get it out of you, then. No, just, just catch uh, you on the hot. But you're too good. You're too good. Yeah,
1: so, like, we've got um, Impressor debut at Frankfurt. So, that's mm-hmm. exciting. I've driven it. It's quite cool. I'm pleased with it. So... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that
0: would be. You know, your uh, your car, company car, is going to run out in a few months. Yeah. It, it's not going to happen to coincide with the arrival of.
1: Oh um, no! Well, I don't know. Actually, it might do. It depends on how much I drive it.
0: Now it goes to furiously check calendars.
1: And... Uh, <laughs> it might coincide with XV potentially because everyone knows we've got that coming up as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so yeah, they're the main bits and pieces. for us, So. Like you will get to see a bit more of me this year with actual <laughs> new things, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, no, because uh, yeah, it, it, it was um, again. I'm being complimentary, and I'm very sorry, but it was interesting <laughs> when at the event everybody would seem very energised and very uh, positive yeah. about the brand.
2: Yeah, you know, what? Um, it's so nice because
0: you lot know stuff in the background that we can't um, yet. Yeah. So that was that. That's that's good to see that everyone was happy and positive in the place they're working in
1: yeah absolutely i mean you know when you when you know it's coming and you know there's things that are good and you know new stuff it just like you're like uh and it's almost like your little baby to deliver almost (laughs) and you're like you know you're like carrying it for months and months and working really hard to grow it and make it into something special and then bang it's here and it's out in the world and you're like go on people buy it or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's it's really really funny, and the bit I love is like when you're driving down the street, you know, just like driving somewhere, like on the motorway, and you see somebody in one,
2: mm-hmm. and like,
1: I always want to go and stop them and be like, "What made you buy that? Did you read the <laughs> review or something?" Because if you did, I'm taking your details and getting you to email me that. Yes. <laughs> you know.
0: Excellent. You're you're not allowed to go on a road trip then. No. <laughs> Or you have to do it on your own.
1: I got (laughs) stopped by a bloke in a petrol station with a BRZ the other week. In my BRZ, I was just like, you know, like filling my car up as you do. Mm. And uh, he stopped me and he was like, oh, like, oh, it's nice to see somebody else driving one. I was like, well, it's my company car. And he's like, yeah, I've just bought mine because I read a wicked review online somewhere.
2: Mm.
1: And I went to the dealer and I bought one and I was like, wicked. That's exactly what we want. Or yeah. exactly what yeah. I want. So I took his details and he sent me an email. And I was like
0: Excellent.
1: Here guys, look, somebody who bought one. Yay!
0: <laughs> KPI. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> they probably the ultimate.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's really nice. It's really nice to see it's nice to see people like that really passionate about what they've bought and mm. really enjoying the cars and they're like, Oh, I hadn't even thought of that until I'd seen a review or something. And it's yeah. nice. It gives you a lot of satisfaction.
0: Mm, oh, it exactly. does me anyway. Good. Right, I think this is the time to come on to the quick fire questions yeah. to, to round out this chat because uh, I don't want to take up all your day. Um, yeah, and I will, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will start out with the one I always do. And that is what currently excites you about the motoring world?
2: Ooh,
1: electric vehicles in particular. Because,
0: okay, that's an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, because they're instant talk and a proper laugh. Mm-hmm. So for somebody who quite like...
0: And that driving, is not something that always gets reported.
1: Yeah, no, they're wicked. Like one of my favourite cars I've ever driven was a Renault Twizy.
0: Oh, I really want to go in one of those. Oh, they're
1: awesome. Really, really fun. And I was
0: like, Alan got a go in one at the uh, SMMT day a couple, of, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And his, in his video is him just going,
1: Yay!
0: <laughs> Basically...
1: Yeah, they're awesome. Really, really fun.
0: Okay. So then what worries you about the merchant world?
1: Diesel. Particularly people's perception of that and, you know, acceptance that, you know, a lot of brands are stopping doing diesel generally in the industry and seeing how people deal with that. Is the market going to drop off massively? Are they not going to want to buy petrol cars? Are they going to want to go and buy something completely different? You know, it's going to be quite a big step change. And, you know, it's something to consider and be aware of. And, like, I don't think, you know, the whole truth behind diesel and, you know, petrol and other powertrains. I think, like, Sometimes it's not been reported fairly because it's been reported by outlets who aren't automotive and it's scaremongered people. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's like something I'm always keeping a really, really close eye on.
0: No, that is something definitely Alan and I have talked about is the the groundswell of anti-diesel. Yeah. Uh, A lot of it through poor reporting. Yeah. Um, A lot of it forgetting how... Uh, we were encouraged to go down the diesel route by governments Mm. in the past uh, and um, you know how the information about them is not new no we've always known this it's just people have chosen to ignore it until it becomes
1: until now and it's become a massive political hot potato almost
0: yeah and um you know the the, the manufacturers uh, are in the firing line for it, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: it's it's massively hard. It's a really really tricky area as well, and you know, and people are just like, Wah. like we've had um, we have our an in house call centre, so we've had like people like ringing us up and going, I don't really want to buy a diesel because I'm not sure what's going to happen. And then, yeah, that's
0: can, not been helpful because the, you've vehicle. got politicians yeah. coming out and making comments or statements that are not necessarily the government's idea but people then go well hang on it's i'm going to get charged more for a diesel or it's going to become prohibitive for me to have a diesel because they'll put something in in 18 months and my car still be in my cycle of owning that car and yeah it's it's really been handled badly from that point of view and Mm -hmm. it does not help uh, manufacturers i mean if you we Review the uh, monthly new car registration figures. Yeah, um, that is one of our one of our happy times when we get to go through colour coded <laughs> spreadsheets. Yeah. It makes Alan very happy anyway. Oh yeah, I like and, the
1: spreadsheet too. To be fair.
0: <laughs> and uh, we've noticed in the last few months that diesel has dropped off. Yeah, but there are many other there are many other things going on in in this country that maybe they're the things impacting that, and we don't know yet. Yeah. And, and it, it all causes, then it causes a cycle, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, it causes, and people are just like, mm, not quite sure about it. And yeah, like a lot of people are going, I'll just buy petrol instead.
0: Yeah, and for some people it is practical, but yeah, it's not practical for everybody. Not
1: for everybody, but you know, yes, yeah. um, yeah, so that's something that I'm always keeping a close eye on at the moment.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, what has been your favourite car to drive and why was that?
1: Can I have two? Yes. Or three?
0: <laughs> okay, can we cap it at three?
1: Okay, yeah. So my favourite cars I've driven, like mine change a lot because I drive a lot of cars. So I drove an Audi RA Spyder V10 recently. Okay. I absolutely loved that because it was just a right giggle. Okay. That was really really fun. And um, when it's not broke, I really like driving my MG because <laughs> it's scary, and you're amazed you've made it to wherever you're going to. So it's relief. Yeah, it's relief mixed with elation, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then tinged with fear. I've got to get back now. <laughs>
1: yeah, like oh damn, I've got to drive back home now. Oh god. Yeah. So that's my two. Um. But also quite like things like um, Morgans. I mm-hmm. do have a bit of a thing for a Morgan as well. So yeah.
0: So you like the act of actually driving?
1: Yeah, I'm very. I absolutely love driving. I'm very much like into having a car that's fun to drive, especially since like I've been old enough and had money and been able to afford a fun car. <laughs> so like, <Yes. laughs> yeah, I think you can probably say from like all the cars I've had, they've been fun ones.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, then, what has been your least favorite car bracket s close bracket yeah. to drive, and why?
1: Um, <laughs> probably my old Ford car because of the wet feet thing.
0: Yeah. Nobody needs web. Tows. No.
1: No. Yeah, that wasn't good. And um, yeah, so that's probably my least favorite. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, what car would you like to own next?
1: Oh, a nine eleven turbo.
0: Okay. Do you want to think about that?
1: No. No. I feel like I have like a bit of a thing for Porsches. I really, really like Porsches.
0: Mm. Alan, um, not that I was incredibly jealous of him at the SMT day, but he got to drive.
1: Well, he got
0: to so drive pretty. a couple.
1: They're just so pretty. The, the, the proper driver's cars. And like, I've just like lusted after one for quite a while now. And I'm like, oh, I really want one of those, but that's so much money. Yes. And I can't really have another car that's not the band <laughs> I work for, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> that you're not using.
1: Oh, Although we do have another car in my house, but I, like, I don't drive it because I don't like it.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> it'll, it'll tell me off for saying that, but I don't like it. It's a Giulietta, cute Quadrifoglio Verde. Don't like it.
0: Ah, uh, okay. no. Right. Um, what is your favourite road to drive on?
1: I've got one particular one, which is from Stokesley in the northeast down to Helmsley. And it's through the North Yorkshire Moors National Park. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really nice because I've done quite a few car launches out, up there over the years. So I know the road really well. And you can drive down it at basically at least national speed limit. Not that I'm advocating speeding or anything, but you can drive there and it's got lots of nice little turns on it that are on and off camber. So that's quite fun.
2: Okay.
0: That's one of my favourites. Excellent. Right, we've not had that one before, so that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, What is the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience?
1: Cooled cup holders.
0: I did not know that was a thing.
1: Yeah, it's a thing.
0: Oh. I don't see well, point
1: in that, because we're in England and it's cold what? most of the time.
0: Yeah, and it's... it's. Yeah. Are these in the front or the back? Uh, in the front. Oh, okay. Because um, it's not for your champagne, because you'd be driving. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, I could see it in the back.
1: Yeah, but If you've like, got the
0: fridge and stuff, but... Wh-
1: why? Oh. Like, you could put your mug of tea... In, in it and accidentally press the button, and your tea would be undrinkable, and your drive to wherever you're going would be really miserable. Because <laughs> I always do that if I'm in the car for more than an hour. I normally make a cup of tea and take it with me because, like, that's so stereotypically British.
0: <laughs> as any as any grown-up would.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> always take a cup, mug of tea with me. It's like a bit of a running joke. Always. <laughs>
0: okay then penultimate question who do you think i should talk to after you
1: i think motoring journalist phil hough would be quite interesting
0: he is on the list is he he is on the awesome. list um the thing is i've got to arrange to meet him that's that's the tricky hey. because i am not able to leave the house at the moment um, oh the day job is so busy that we uh it's tricky to get out but yes, he's definitely on the list.
1: Yeah, I think I think he'd be funny. He has all sorts of funny stories about all of his massive collection of random cars from all over the place.
0: Yes. You go yes, to his and house
1: he's... and he's got, like, cars strategically parked all over the village. <laughs> really funny.
0: I thought he'd done a bit of a cull recently, though.
1: Mm, a little bit. But yeah, I think he's a top bloke and he's really, really interesting. So, yeah.
0: Okay, excellent. Uh, I will... Uh, work very hard to get near enough to him to to ask him questions and go through this with him face to face. But uh, there are there are a few people who I will be hopefully meeting up post summer face to face to
1: do this. So, exciting.
0: Yes, yes. There's some. Uh, there's some. Uh, well, I, I've got to say, everybody who's come on, I've really wanted to speak to. So you know, it's not been a. It's been great fun to do this um, because, like I say, you know, I. I I work from home a lot, so this gives me a chance to talk to an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can talk
1: to the cats when I work from home.
0: Oh, well, I've had to lock them out because there's one that if I start speaking, he starts mewing because he thinks I'm talking to him.
1: Um, you saw my tweet this morning. Yeah. I had a cat raid in one of the drawers in my spare room.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, like, I like work it. from home. I do love it when they do that.
1: Yeah, they, sit on, they do things like sit on the back of my office chair or like lie on my keyboard, and I'm like...
0: Uh, that's, that's not helping me
1: yeah i'm like I'm supposed to be working that's
0: i it. i don't need 3000 zs in this document yeah
1: and like they actually broke the keyboard on my laptop as well which is um really bad
0: yes explaining that one back and so what happened well
1: well um my you
0: won't believe my this.
1: cat stood on it
2: <laughs> terrible
0: okay then um just before i say thank you so much and we wrap this up what are the best ways for people to follow what you do um maybe get in touch that sort of thing
1: oh so i'm on twitter Mm so i have three because i'm so cool so i have my (laughs) like pr-ish one which is at jade underscore wells underscore one which is a bit of a mouthful and then we also have like press office twitter so we have at Subaru UKPR and at UKPR. UK PR.
0: Mm-hmm. I will have those uh, in the show notes so Yay. people can click on those and follow along yeah. um, and, and just leaves me to say thank you so much for your time I've had a great uh, a great chat with you yeah, it's been really sure. interesting to hear uh, uh, your passion for this your your and that has become very clear and uh, the the way that you want to achieve the things that you want to achieve—that's uh, been really interesting to listen. Yeah, to. Yeah, no, thank um, you for
1: asking me on. It was like a really nice pleasure because, to be honest, I don't think what I do is that interesting. <laughs> but you know,
0: yeah, that's because you do it. Yeah, but, uh, it, it's it's always to get it's always good to get uh, a a woman who is in auto cars, great British women in the car industry, on.
1: Yeah, the- that like I don't know how I managed that. That made me laugh. I was like, what really? <laughs> um, I was like, I'm not that good.
0: But that, but that is a. I, I think that's a great list. I mean, I get conflicted with that list actually. Um, and I, I did, I didn't want to do the the woman thing too much. But uh, on the one hand, it's shocking we sort of need that list. Yeah, it is. But on the other hand, I think it's awesome that we can celebrate and show everybody, you know, how diverse. It's not diverse enough, but how diverse the industry is and and um this is part of what I want to do with this show mm. is to show all the different aspects that go in to make up the motion universe yeah and and it's so there's so many different branches that people perhaps are not appreciating that it, it, are involved, and I think that that list is uh like I say great on the one hand, but it is pretty poor in two thousand seventeen that yeah. we yeah We need something like that. I
1: bet there's girls Um, out there and young women who are told, like, oh, you can't go and be an engineer, even nowadays. And you know what? Like, it's a list, and I'm part of that. And there's something I can do to kind of show, yeah, you can do what you want. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. And then, you know, I'm more than happy to be there for it. So,
0: yeah. 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 No. So, congratulations for being on that. And uh, And thank you uh, very,
1: very much for having me on.
0: No, not at all. So uh, I look forward to seeing you again sometime soon, yeah. uh, and um, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thanks once again, Jade, for coming on Rearview and chatting to me. I hope you found our conversation as fascinating as I did. And if you want to suggest someone I should ask to come on this show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag Pod, we'll be guaranteed to see it here in Motoring Podcast Towers. To get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter, and if you like to keep up to date with motoring news, opinions and car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. Remember, you can support everything we do at Motoring Podcast in a couple of ways. Please go to motoringpodcast.com forward slash support to see what they are. I would also really appreciate it if you could tell others about the show. I want as many people as possible to hear the great guests I managed to get on here. So until next time, that was Jade Wells. I've been Andrew Clues and safe motoring.